I am a man of unclean lips, living among a people of unclean lips. Yes, brothers and sisters, I am. I am a man of unclean lips, and with all due respect, I live among a people of unclean lips. And we do as well in the society that's around us. We live among a people of unclean lips. We are all a people of unclean lips. Who among us has not sinned through the sense of taste, tasting that which, we, which is forbidden us, or through speech, saying things that should not be said. In the former rites of the sacrament of extreme unction, uh, the, 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 each, each of the senses is anointed, including the lips, are anointed with oil and the sign of the cross. And as the priest anoints the lips, he says, by this holy anointing and his most kind mercy, may the Lord forgive any sins you have committed through taste or speech. And you may know of that anecdote that's said of St. Francis de Sales. He's reported to have given a penance to someone who had confessed the sin of gossip. He told a person, take a down feather pillow out into a field, open it and scatter the feathers, and then come back to me. So the penitent does just that, comes back to St. Francis, who then tells him, now go and collect the feathers back and put them in the pillow and bring them to me. Of course, it was an impossible task because the wind had scattered the, the, the feathers, which is what happens with words that leave our lips. Once they've left our lips, they cannot be gathered back, whether they are good or evil. You know that you have sinned through the lips, and I do too. And yet each of us has been given the privilege and possibility of seeing God in this life through prayer and contemplation and in the life to come. We look forward to singing the praises of the Lord in the sight of his angels. The prophet Isaiah professes in the reading we've heard proclaimed to us this morning that he is a man of unclean lips. And a seraph flies down to him in his vision and touches his lips with a life-hot coal that he had taken from the altar of sacrifice. See now, the seraph tells him, this has touched your lips, your wickedness is removed, your sin purged. And with that, he is no longer afraid, and when the Lord asks, whom shall I send, he replies with confidence, here I am, send me. Another prophet also was once afraid to be called and sent. His name was Jeremiah. And when he um, expressed his unsuitability for the call to be a prophet and expressed his fear of how the people might receive him, the Lord put forth his hand and touched his mouth and said, Behold, I have given my words in thy mouth. And when the priest bows before the altar to prepare to proclaim the gospel, as I did just a few minutes ago, uh, bowing to the altar there, he says these words, Cleanse my heart and my lips, almighty God, that I may worthily proclaim your holy gospel. The priest does not dare to proclaim the words of the gospel without first praying that his heart and his lips might be cleansed. In the more traditional form of the Mass, the older form of the Mass, the prayer is a little longer 
and refers explicitly to the reading that we've just heard when it says, the priest says, Cleanse my heart and my lips, O Almighty God, who cleansed the lips of the prophet Isaiah with a burning coal. In thy gracious mercy deign so to purify me that I may worthily proclaim thy holy gospel through Christ our Lord. Amen. And if that were not enough, even after the gospel is proclaimed, you know, when he picks up the book of the gospel uh, to kiss the page, he says these words silently, through the words of the gospel, may our sins be wiped away. Still that prayer that our sins might be wiped away through the words of the gospel. Then he kisses the text that he has just read. So there are a few things that we could see going on at that point of the Mass. From that prayer that the priest says after proclaiming the gospel, through the words of the gospel, may our sins be wiped away, we can perhaps detect the primary role of the proclamation of the gospel, that it would be that our sins be wiped away. And this can occur if the gospel touches our heart in a particular way, and we are enlightened about something that we may have neglected, overlooked, and we realize in that moment that the gospel is proclaimed, there's something I need to change in my life. We're convicted of some fault in our life and moved uh, to conversion. Saint Anthony of Egypt, a hermit, he, he uh, w- walked into the, the church one day and heard the gospel, you know, the parable of the rich young man. And he heard these words, if you really want to be perfect, go and sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. Now maybe he'd heard those words many times before, but in that moment he was convicted to do exactly as the Gospel said. He sold everything he had, gave it to the poor, and went off to live the life of a hermit in the desert. Total radical following of the Lord. The Gospel can have that effect on us when it's proclaimed. A second thing that's going on possibly, you know, it reflects around the, the kiss that the priest gives to the text. Obviously it's an act of veneration and love for the word. He kisses the page as he would kiss Christ himself. But he needs to pray that his kiss is not a kiss like Judas's, a kiss of betrayal, which it would be if he were in mortal sin or living a life unbefitting his state as one privileged to proclaim the gospel. A third thing might be going on. It could be that it's Christ kissing him. Is the page of the gospel, perhaps, that burning coal with which the seraph cleansed the lips of Isaiah, now uh, now cleansing the lips of the priest? Or is it the touch with which the Lord touched the lips of Jeremiah? It's symbolizing the answer to the prayer that the priest offered before the gospel, as our Lord more or less says, be cleansed. And yet the priest's prayers for forgiveness do not end there in the Mass. There are many more. As he bows down uh, before he has his fingers washed, he prays that this sacrifice may be acceptable to the Lord, offered as it is by those with humble and contrite hearts. And before he proceeds to the Eucharistic prayer, he will have his hands washed while he prays, Wash me, O Lord, from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. And there are other prayers. Before communion, 
where he says those private prayers of preparation uh, before, before presenting the Lamb of God for all. And amongst the prayers is one praying that, he, that this communion for him, the priest, may not be towards judgment and condemnation, but rather be for health of mind and soul, perpetual health of mind and soul. Again, if he were in a state of mortal sin, it would be for judgment and condemnation. So this constant petition for purification throughout the Mass. And of course it's good for the people to unite themselves to the, pre- to the prayers that the priest is offering during the Mass, which is why it's so important that you follow that you follow with a text that has the prayers that only the priest says, so that you can unite more closely to, to the richness of the liturgy. You know, like Isaiah, Simon Peter saw the Lord for who he was in the gospel that we read today, and he was afraid of his sin. After the miraculous catch of fish, which manifested Jesus' divinity, Simon Peter falls at Jesus' knees and says, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. But the Lord assures him, do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. You will be a fisher of men. Fishers of Men is the title of a video promotion, a vocations promotion video that we showed our young people at the Epiphany party last January 6th. You know, and being called to be a priest can fill one with fear, with a sense of unworthiness or feeling we're not up to it. Proclaiming the gospel to others in all walks of life as you must do, can be challenging. But the Lord calls each and every one of us to be a fisher of men. The humble acknowledgement of our unworthiness, of our sinfulness, is the first prerequisite for being an effective evangelist, an effective fisher of men. You know, if the line for confessions every week were as long as the line for Holy Communion, then this parish would really be an evangelizing parish. Well, let's say it was just a quarter of the length. Assuming that everyone was going to confession once a month, well then, the line for confession would be a quarter of the length of communion. Then, we would really evangelize. And the Holy Communion which we receive, in fact, is also a burning coal taken from the altar and placed upon our lips. You know, if you were to allow the priest to place the host on upon your tongue, he would be like the angel, the seraph, who bears that coal from the altar of heaven. And that burning coal, of course, is Christ himself. And as we receive him, let us pray that our unclean lips may be cleansed so that we may speak God's word to others and make them too disciples of Christ. As we receive him, let us hear his consoling words to Simon Peter. Do not be afraid. From now on you will be a fisher of men, because we are called precisely to engage in bringing others to Christ. As, he, as we hear today the Lord's, petition, the Lord's question, whom shall I send, who will go for us? Let us therefore respond with Isaiah's confident reply, here I am, send me.